Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, folks. Rob Hessler here with another episode of Art on the Air, my weekly Savannah morning news and do Savannah special. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Have a wonderful interview lined up for you this week. I and my co-host Gretchen Hilmers interviewed Anya Moliviatis, who is a fiber artist, recent SCAD graduate, whose work I absolutely fell in love with when I came across it at the website for the local studio spaces at The Stables. We had a wonderful conversation about her journey in life. She's a Greek artist who grew up in Switzerland but traveled around a lot. And it was really exciting to hear about her passion, her excitement, and some projects that she's got lined up in the future that really blew our minds as we were discussing with her what she had going on. So I know you're going to enjoy listening to that. Wanted to mention, as always, you can catch past episodes of Art on the Air and my corresponding Art Off the Air column, as well as all of the writing that I do for the Savannah Morning News at savannahnow.com in the entertainment section and also in the lifestyle section for my Sunday column, which is coming out soon. Last week, I had the opportunity to speak with the acclaimed artist Titty Bats, as well as write a piece about Thomas Mitz and Emmy Dudley's new paintings exhibition over at the Cedar House Gallery. And I've recently had the opportunity to speak to Jerome Meadows and Troy Wanzell. So really some great stuff that you can find. Again, savannahnow.com in the entertainment section. Lots of great stuff there. Let's get into this week's interview. Again, this is Anya Moliviatis talking about her fiber art, her background, and some exciting projects that she's got lined up in the future. Enjoy. Rob Hessler and Gretchen Hilmers here with Art on the Air Field Notes. We're speaking with Anya Moliviatis. <laughs> and that is her woo in the background because I pronounced her last name right and I, I wrote it phonetically on here. Um, Anya is a, is a Greek artist living in the United States now, recent graduate of SCAD. And first of all, before we kind of get into some of the questions, this is one of the things that I love about this radio show is that, you know, oftentimes we'll have on people, they've got a show or they've got an event and... I'm kind of made aware of it and I'm like, oh, this is really interesting and I want to follow up. But sometimes it ends up being a situation like with you where you were in all these shows and like I missed all of them. We missed all of the shows that you were in, but I was randomly drawn to the Stables website and I was like, just looking for another, I was looking at another artist and I said, ooh, whose work is this? And I clicked on your work and I just like was blown away by the fiber works that you're doing. And I love the flexibility of this radio show because we can kind of just do that. Like if there's something that, that we find interesting. 
And so we're like really catching you kind of out the Savannah door. You're ready, getting ready to move to Austin. But before you do, we want to talk to you about you and your work. Obviously, you're leaving the stables. And we're going to talk about, as, as I mentioned, you're a fiber artist. But let's kind of take a step back. Before we talk about the now, let's talk about the past a little bit. How did you sort of first come to the arts? And then how did you eventually find your way to fiber arts? Where did that all start? Yeah, so I actually come from a family with um, all of us are pretty much artists for the most part. And um, I grew up in Switzerland and I always found myself very creative, like from a young age. I was I thought it was more of an architecture kind of path. I, I absolutely from when I was little, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I love math. I love design. So I'm going to pursue that. And then as I got older, I started doing more 2D work. But I always loved design. And I went to my first year at university, I actually went to SVA, the School of Visual Arts in Manhattan, New York. Mm, okay. And I did, um, I was part of the visual and critical studies program there, which I thought would be great because it was there, they just started it and it was really broad. And I didn't really know exactly. And maybe I could kind of narrow it down. But unfortunately, the program was kind of limiting in studio work. And it was just way more lecture based. And I'm yeah. such a hands on learner. I just needed to go figure that out. And in the same time, I was having kind of a hard time living in New York and the way it was built. Like I, like I was saying, I'm so key, like so in tune with our environment and the architecture that surrounds us and how we live in that, that I just was constantly thinking, like, how can I do this better? How can we live better? Like, how can I make my experience in a city be more? positive and work for the human being instead of degrading ourselves kind of that's what it felt like mm -hmm. and so like I was saying earlier I've moved around a lot growing up in Europe and then um, living in America I've lived before going to um, to New York I actually lived in LA Geneva and the Alps Ooh. so I had such a wow. I had like very much very rural experiences and very urban experiences and so my sophomore year at SBA, I decided I needed to go figure out a little bit more. I wanted to have more hands-on approaches. So I took a semester off, which ended up being two years off, um, doing apprenticeships for, to just narrow down my path. And so I took a, my first semester off. I did a Knowles course first semester where I spent 90 days in the Rocky Mountains just learning about the ecosystem there and how it functions and like wilderness skills and how to navigate mm. they understand the environment you're in and so it just kept me being like architecture architecture i've got to do architecture this makes sense like i love design and after that i went to um cal earth institution in hesperia california to study sustainable i was a long-term apprentice there studying sustainable architecture and as i was um i was there i loved it but there were a little bit of little bits of it that were like maybe this is not for me, and more that I didn't feel that I got the creativity out of it as I wanted. You know, like it was mm. way, it kind of felt the best way to describe this is kind of how you'd go into I guess making movies. You know, you have a whole crew, and everyone's doing a little thing, and it starts becoming you get further and further away from the creative process. And I didn't like that so much, but I kept on learning about architecture. And I actually took a course during the uh, apprenticeship, a permaculture course, which was part of it. Mm. And it started to open my eyes a bit to like materiality. 
And I was like, what is this thing? This is really cool. And like understanding kind of the foundation of designs and how they, and, you know, uh, natural systems and how when you work with like efficient systems, they can change your entire environment around you and kind of naturally like bring structures and other things and just get you more in tune with the world. So after that, I moved to Taos, New Mexico to continue another long-term apprenticeship. But I had two months in between the other ones started. So I was working as a ski instructor. And during that time, I was like, I just, I just kept reading about fibers and materials. And I was like, oh, I just love this stuff. And of course, I was in New, in New Mexico, which is right. Yeah. And so I just was going around looking at like how weavers were working um, or like studios that were dying and what the wool was like, how they use the wool around there, because they also have a very specific wool that's only to that region it's called churro yarn and it's when the spanish came they brought these like sheep and then blending them when they started breeding them with the not the sheep in uh, the southern uh, parts of america they got this one wool that was perfect for tapestry making and they've kind of the native americans have herds down there and they keep, they're very what's the word they're kind of um it's a really small community so they don't really allow too many people to come in and out. So you have to work with the people around you to get this trail yarn, but it's a really nice little community. Anyways, so I was working there and I just was like, I don't know if I want to do this architecture apprenticeship because I love weaving so much. I want to do a weaving apprenticeship. I just need to learn about this. <laughs> so I went and I asked everyone down there, I'm like, will you teach me to weave? Will you teach me to weave? Every store. And I finally found this one master weaver down there and she was like, yeah, we talked and we got along really well. So I ended up apprenticing with her for about six months and then having my own studio time with her for the last three months. And I I just loved it. I mean, the first moment, I just couldn't stop doing it. And after that experience, I just was like, this is it. Okay, and- so, so before we go on from that spot, what is it that you love so much? I mean, you know, you, I, you, our listeners can't see it. I'm sure they can hear it in your voice, but you're like you're physically expressing your passion for this, you're, the way you're moving your hands, the way that your, your facial expression has changed. And I, and I see that look on artists' faces all the time when I talk to artists, this just deep, deep connection with a specific material or way of working or something along those lines. What is it specifically about weaving and working that way that is really kind of drawing you in? Um, that's a great question. Because I, yeah, you're right. I do... A lot of people don't understand weaving and it's really hard to get a sense of it. But the thing I think that really pulled me in is it's unlimited resources to, you know, you can use absolutely anything and then you create this completely new thing. It's, it's, you're combining different things and creating something new. And not only that, you're combining like colors and structures and it just, it's, it's more of that that really fascinates me. It's how I can make this, this thing, these materials come together and create this absolutely new dental thing that's its own breathing, living thing. Okay, so you find your passion. You find this weaver that you're able to do a, an apprentice with and, and you're all in on it. What brings you to Savannah? Like, how did you end up coming here mm. to study it in a more academic environment, obviously in a school environment? Yeah, that's what I was just about to get to. Um, at the end of my last thing. But I, after I was done with that apprenticeship, I searched every school in America to find the one school that had the best rooms and the most, the best facilities. And that happened to be Scott. That's really how I ended up here. 
That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. So the ability to do what you want to do in the most efficient way possible. So I, I want to ask you about your about this sort of style that you've kind of come up with. Um, I've seen it. You've got a couple of different types of um, weavings that you do. But talk about the waffles. I, 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 first of all, I mean, you know, I, I get the term. I mean, I think of, I love waffles just in, as a food item. I think that's a really good visual term, though, for our listening audience to understand because what you're making, if you're looking at them in imagery, they might look like a two-dimensional surface. But actually, what people should think of is a waffle where it goes in and out and in and out and has this three-dimensional waffle-like patterning. And then, like you were talking about, like how you use color and all of that. So sort of just let's get to what you're doing now, because obviously you're, you've kind of come to the end of your schooling and you're sort of stepping, you've been doing some exhibitions and you're kind of stepping more into the professional environment. So you, to a certain extent, you've defined your visual language at this point. Talk about what you're doing now. How would you sort of categorize it? Yeah, it's funny because I see my pieces as both design pieces and fine art pieces. And that's, yeah, I think that in my work, I'm really always looking for, I think beauty is the most important thing you can give. But at the same time, I think when there's really good, like powerful art means powerful design and powerful design means powerful art. And you can really start, I like, search for that within my work. And with these waffles, it goes back to what I was saying. Like I, I think it, you can really see a bit of my roots in loving architecture and understanding structures and how you can work with that but then weaving comes in where I use these so delicate fine materials and I turn them into something structural and it's completely different than what you are and, and I think that dualism when you look at them is really powerful because it's like this you don't even understand how thin those threads are but then it's a whole mm -hmm. wall on a structure that changes with uh, color gradients and united in a really interesting way let me read this little snippet from your from your website about your waffle gradients because I love this. Each color, using color as a communicator, each piece becomes a sensory experience as relief waffle patterns rise and fall in a gradient fiber landscape, a window that provides a vista of meditation where humanity can dive deeper into the collectively undiscovered self. I mean, that's beautifully written, first of all, but it's like, it's really hard to communicate in a way what we're talking about because we're talking about these in words and there is a, a philosophy behind these, but I almost feel like and maybe this comes from your training in Taos or where your inspiration is, but I almost feel like there's a certain almost sort of underlying spirituality or like, um, I, mean, I don't know, maybe spirituality is not the right, exactly the right word, but we use the word meditation. So like, deeper connection beyond just threads and a loom? I would say spirituality works. I think they become very spiritual in that sense. I think when you eliminate all the like things that cause dualities or divisions or anything like that, and you get to this like, almost foundation place of feelings and emotions and senses, it becomes an ex a spiritual experience with yourself and colors and just structure, just an, an item, I guess, or a moment with it but if you head on over to your website which is beautifully done we were talking a little bit about that before we went on the air which is um 
anyamoliviatis.com. And that's spelled A-N-Y-A-M-O-L-Y-V-I-A-T-I-S.com. You have some videos and there's some, some process videos and there's some videos of sort of walking through an installation as a as somebody who maybe can't go and see your work in person right now if you go to your the website like it communicates that to me that sort of like peaceful meditative like a work more to be experienced rather than necessarily just like we're thinking of like viewing something on a gallery wall or a museum wall where it is like an object and we look at it and we engage with it for a minute and then we move on like to me it almost feels like the purpose behind it is a little bit more than that, at least to me, like from my outside perspective here, just based on what I've been able to research from you and, and sort of just picking it up. Definitely. Well, I think I've been developing concepts, like I was saying from a young age where I'm trying to understand how I can merge natural and urban environments into a place that is optimal for a human experience. And as I do that, I became... I think I just worked through color because it was the best way to communicate those kind of experience, or at least the beginning stages is where I am. And it was the one place I felt that I could always show how a, how a sensory experience is so important to our everyday environments. And when we go out into nature and we have all these color, like shifting gradients and colors, I mean, mm-hmm. that's how time, how we relate to time. And I often find that in more urban spaces where they're just blank and white, you kind of get eliminated from time and that kind that experience alone i think really affects us in a way that we don't even understand so when i work with color that's why i do gradients also i'm trying to create different kind of emotions to fill in a room to show you what it would be like to almost create bring back time as it's moving or, or bring the animated world into the, a space even though it's still but it, just exactly that, like just how to bring the animated world and show us that we're a part of it through our own sensories and emotions. And how, what does that mean? Like, how do we feel through that? And it goes also why I use three-dimensional weaving and why I'm pushing my, my boundaries with three-dimensional weaving, because with my three-dimensional gradients, I'm able to create color combinations and hues and have light come in in different ways that I wouldn't with just a flat surface, which allows me I think to even dive into color in a completely new way and weaving than I ever could with any other structure. And, mm. but right now I've just made, they're about, everyone's like about two inches to three inches thick. And I'm just trying to make them like bigger. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah and I mean, it's all, even my color choice, like my, the material I use, the wool is, I was saying before, it's so fine, but it has like little bristles that just stick out of it, which captures light in a whole new way. And so that's a whole, and it just keeps adding to your color experience, which is something that I'm just keep on like grabbing at and grabbing at and searching mm-hmm. and to make that color experience even more like powerful. So let me ask you, you're talking a lot about color being the big thing about your art. Well, what about people who can't experience color the way most of us can? Do you feel like your art is still something they can connect to? Do you feel like there's something you can do with your art that could better incorporate their experience to color, which is so lessened? Yeah. Well, one, I think the gradients too are like the colors can still apply to people that are lessened, like emotions of art. But what we were going, when you 
it's funny that you love those um those videos with sound because the whole other element to my weavings is sound design actually and it's just like there a little bit I don't kind of talk about it too much because I'm still developing it at as more people like experience my work, I don't really want to bombard everyone with <laughs> Right. Because I'm so passionate about where I want to go and I have some goals about where I see it all, but I know it's a little bit over people's heads when I just start thinking this and this. But anyways, the material I use and the structure I use is actually um, sound absorbing. So it causes, and it's another element to the sensual experience beyond just color and visual. Mm, you know okay so i i, I kind of want to throw i really want to get into this um the the pieces that you've done with sound even though i know you're saying you're, you're not bombarding people with it but you know what i, I but this is my radio show and i really want to know about it so i'm going to ask you <laughs> <laughs> but I, I before we do that because i'm i'm really fascinated by something that you said you know you, you were talking about bringing we're talking about like the gradients in nature and using that in your work and then the contrast, the urban environment. And I thought it was interesting when I was researching you and I was talking about your shows and exhibition and you have on your website, the NASDAQ quarters, the, the NASDAQ headquarters plus Times Square artist installation. I mean, I have to know that seems like about as <laughs> like artificially urban environment as, as I could even imagine. Like, so like how does that work what is that project because that's so fascinating to me thinking about in context of what we've been talking about yeah it's it was a competition I went into and they and I kind of approached it and using color to unite to unite us all and our um well their whole competition was like how could you how do you unite through these uncertain times or all of us and so I submitted some pieces. They were more my two-dimensional pieces, which, which are also on my website. They're not weavings. They're these paintings that I hand paint with Japanese inks, and then I hand draw on top of them. Mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. actually, it's funny because I've been doing those for a long time to understand color and its emotions. And, and I've just always loved it because I love diving into color in that way. It takes forever, but... Um, I do it anyways so those are kind of my yeah but you know just to, so our listeners understand they are paintings but i mean they look like stitch work i mean they look like weavings they're the way that you do them you're basically painting woven pieces and it's beautiful by the way too and i actually was going to ask you but I, I was feeling like we were going off topic a little bit i didn't want to dive back in but since you mentioned yeah i wanted to talk about that because these japanese things like i love you know we talked about you were talking about picking up a style and wool from Taos and how you've been like in urban and you, New York and Savannah and you said LA, right? You were out in LA for a little bit. And of course you're, you were born in Switzerland and you've been all over these places and like, you're just kind of borrowing from all these different sort of cultural backgrounds and that included these Japanese things. So let's talk about that since you brought it up. Because I did notice you've been doing that for, I guess this will be about six years you've been doing these. And, um, and what's great is that if you go onto your website and you go to the, to the series and go to the Stitch series, you can see actually you're working on, on one of these pieces. And it's this repeated pattern. Oh, my Lord. It's like very intricate. Meditative, though, almost. It's feel like, it looks like it's a meditative process. That was kind of my beginning of, like I was saying, studying color and understanding. And I choose my inks really specifically because of the richness they are able to allow. Like the ones I find have the most depth I've ever seen before. 
And then the pattern I put on top is just a pattern that I was, I've always been drawn to and I, I've made it up myself and I've, I've been doing it for forever. And then I started adding inks to it and different ways of approaching it. And it kind of created similar to how my weavings have like a depth, but these have on a two-dimensional, a three-dimensional feel and they allow you like that mix of fluidity through the color and structure mm -hmm. when they merge, it really creates really interesting, just like motion and, and, I don't know how else to explain by that, except for the when you first see them, it kind of just like stopped you for a half a second. Well, you know, it's funny because you were talking about your interest in architecture earlier on in this conversation. And like, it almost feels sort of mathematical, like the sort of almost like obsessive, like it's not a number, it's a pattern, but like there is something very like calculated. It's super calculated. You know, it's like, you're doing the same action repeated perfect. Well, I know probably for you, you notice every single tiny imperfection, but like for the ordinary viewer, like we won't notice that you'll, it'll just be this thing. And I, I do love that. And, and um, I, you know, I encourage people to sort of check these out because what you're doing with the Japanese ink in the background, like you said, it creates that. I mean, it has the gradients, you know, kind of going in the background, just like with your weavings and then the pattern on top of it. So it has like a two-dimensional and three-dimensional element that's really interesting, even though they're only um, two-dimensional pieces, but they're really um, fascinating. So are the pieces up at the NASDAQ, NASDAQ thing yet? Or is, so, is it over? Or? They, they're not, they should be coming out this summer, but mm -hmm. I'll have a permanent, it's not a show. So I have one piece that they bought that's staying, well, there's actually three smaller pieces. That's part of their new headquarters in Times Square and then I'm doing that I'll have an artist uh, not takeover but just post about me with my work and I, where I answer questions and video me on mm -hmm. their Instagram and then on their televisions they'll be featuring my pieces as well so when you walk by you get a little bit of color or some of my work which was really exciting yeah that's I'm awesome nice. I mean what a great exposure and and it is funny because like I said like and I guess maybe I don't even know why I wasn't like making this obvious connection just one second ago when I was talking about math and these pieces. I mean, like what is more like numbers and math than like the markets and all of this stuff too. So it sort of like fits in a lot of ways. Um, look, I, I really, I don't want to keep you too long and I really, really want to talk about sound and color because this is something, I, I, I mean, I love all the stuff that you're doing, but I think, you know, you were talking about the sensory experience of your viewer and your work and to me adding in sound and like you talked about sound being a part of something you know you're kind of getting into now it makes total sense to me and getting these musicians and i'll mention their names here zach green and jack rosa to come in and sort of just riff off of like what your work is in that space it feels so natural like it, looking at the video it totally makes a lot of sense so how did that all happen why is that important to you and sort of what are you thinking or is there sort of an idea of like where you're going to go with this? Because I think it's really, really interesting. Thank you. Um, yeah, for one, those are, they're both amazing musicians and I loved having them and seeing what they were going to make. I wish I could have showed like everything they had. <laughs> but the idea was really to show um, that sound absorbing quality or just like play with that a bit because I think when you just talk about it it doesn't show or it doesn't I, I think it's just too much to tell someone so I, I really love showing my work in ways that 
make it more fun to view it and understand it. And so um, as I was, I got, I've told you before, I have like a million concepts and ideas for my work, but I don't want to just over. <laughs> so I wanted to have a series where I had videos with different musicians, whether it was just like a live session in their studios with my weavings around. And I wanted them to just see how they felt with it and see if it made a difference or how they like, understood it. And um, I guess I'm also approaching it in a way that now with so many musicians working at home and, you know, mm. having a home studio, I find that the foam and like most of the home studios is so not pleasant to be around and it's, you feel trapped, you, know, you feel more trapped. So it's kind of showing kind of an alternative version to that where you can use like beauty and weaving and color to create your like studio or environments, whether it's at home or at a show or, you know, interior environment, restaurant, any kind of way to see sound in a more playful way, you know, like have emotional playful way. Cause I think it sounded a huge sense that we don't like we overlook in design completely. So I was trying to. Well, that's so cool. I mean, like, because you're kind of like, you know, as artists, we all like wonder, well, you know, we're like, well, we make work, but we don't really know. We don't control how people experience it like and what they ultimately how they ultimately interpret it and like these musicians come in and like you're listening to them make music that is influenced by your work what was that experience just like and because they're kind of it's almost like a weird critique like they're not using the words of like critique like where you're in a class or something but they're using their language of music to kind of reflect off of your work. I wonder how, what that experience was like for you just as a human being. I loved it. I mean, how could I not? I mean, I loved it so much. And it's, that's what gets me really excited about my work. Um, I, as much as I love having it in galleries and love playing around in galleries, my ultimate goal is really to have it in places where people can really play around and experience it. And I don't want it to be just be isolated. I want it to be a part of all the things and see how humanity can become, like show off their most, beautiful parts of themselves all the time so for me it was really amazing to have them come in and just be able to have fun and do the things they love in a really beautiful way and have my work be like instigate that for them it just mm. I love that well look I, I want to start to wrap this interview up but I, I want I, I there's something that I was thinking about when you were talking about making your work sort of thicker and bigger and you just mentioned like having in galleries, but then kind of getting it out there for people to sort of play and engage with. I don't know if you've been, because the last year plus has been strange, but the Cultural Arts Center, the Savannah Cultural <laughs> Arts Center, I know you're getting ready to move away from the from Savannah, but there are these, on either sides of the entry doors, there are these huge mm -hmm. glass window boxes on either side of the door. They're like these, and they're probably maybe a, a foot deep and they're huge. And I could just imagine two of your giant waffle pieces, just on one on either side. And it would just be oh. a beautiful entry. So I, I'm just going to throw it out there. You're going to be in Austin. Well, I'll put in a good word for you. I know some people. <laughs> I mean, that would be the perfect location for it. You're absolutely right. right? Amazing. I, I don't know if you've seen this, but you're, if you're still in Savannah, just take a drive by the, the Cultural Arts Center, look at the front of it, look at those big window boxes and tell me that that would not be a perfect place. People walking into a place where there's art and music and dance <sighs> and 
classes for kids and classes for adults and indie movie movies and foreign films and things like that. It would just be a really nice temporary installation. So just gonna um, throw that out there. I'm I work like I I'm upset that I'm packing because I can't work. I mean, I love working. I love weaving so much that I guess if I would love to do. I'm open to everything in so many ways to understand how I can like examine our places with my work and also to bring like anyone happy. Like if anyone loves my work, it touches me so I really like even you reaching out and wanting to interview me to talk about all of this. It's really like touching for me because like I said, I'm really passionate about all this stuff and I do it because I think that it will make a difference in the world and all the ideas I have, like even that, like I know this, I'm going to go off on a tangent, but part of my future with weaving is I really want to try and create my own like, color components and I have a project that I know I'm gonna, it's going to take forever, but I'm excited about that too, um, where I want to do installations that with these color changing components, you can tell the time of the day. So for example, like the weavings at night will change color and then mm. add solar panel. I've been like learning how to do my own circuit boards, talking to my chemist and wow. to like create a solar panel that's stuck. So even in, in educational environments in a classroom, for example, can you imagine just having this like wall of color that as the sun changes, it changes just like <sighs> yeah, powerfully. And it just makes you, like I was going back to the beginning, really feel a part of, this like beautifully animated world we're in where I think like our designs have also often like taken us away from that. And I think there's something really powerful in that, that we just need a, you know, experience. And so I would just love to keep, I mean, I hope I just keep doing this forever. And- I really want to live in a world that has that. I, <laughs> I mean, know, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> you make it, it sounds so beautiful. And if I could have that experience on the daily, it would be, transformative i know because you know life in general is so heavy and it can be so tough but when you find a moment of pure beauty it can completely transform your day and it's so it's such an emotional and such a beautiful experience and hearing what you're describing i think it would be amazing i'm getting a little emotional (laughs) (laughs) I was saying powerful art is powerful design and powerful design is powerful art and they're really intertwining. So I'm like not just keeping my things as fine art. I'm no way just trying to be like, I'm just a fine artist. Like I'm a designer and an artist and like I want to recreate how that we understand both those things together because I think they're both just equally important. Like not like one's not more than the other, but um, yeah, I, I know I, I'm gonna make and also in our first like as we move into a new co co post COVID world or whatever, you know, everyone's changing to live more at home and understand your environment and just all these things, which I think are really fun platform for me to enter into and and like talk about my work in. That's awesome. Well, look, I I, I'm we're gonna let you go now, Anya. But before we do that, if, if people are interested in your work. What is the best way for people to follow that? Inst- your any your Instagram handle, I already mentioned your website, anyamoliviatis.com, um, which is a great place to see what you're up to, including some videos, which I think are really fascinating. Uh, what's your Instagram? What's the best way pe- people to get a hold of you and, and follow what you're up to? My Instagram, I'm pretty Instagram active with my work. Um, I love posting all about it there. Uh, my Instagram is Anya Moliviatis, so A-N-Y-A, and then my last name, M-O-L-Y-V-I-A-T-I-S. 
And I have all my work that I process and more detailed photos. And my website's just a great place to see where I have any shows. But I announced that all on my Instagram as well. And I have a, a second Instagram <laughs> on my primary Instagram where I document all my shows mm. and the photographs there that the what it, it's also on my website because I've linked them but that's another place you can just see like what they look like in different spaces or areas and see but awesome are, yeah. awesome well we love your work and and I hope maybe you know when you're down in Austin you'll remember and you'll think back to Savannah and you'll stay in touch and we can find out when you install this incredible solar panel <laughs> color changing project that you have in mind because I oh, really we'll be going. We're going. really like to see that <laughs> I can't wait to show I mean I'll I'll show it you won't I will not stop talking about it once I have it <laughs> awesome well, thank you so much, Anya. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much for this. It's really, like I said, touches my heart. <laughs> thank you. It's been such a great time. <laughs> thank you. That's all the time we have for this week's episode of Art on the Air with your host, Rob Hessler. Listen every Wednesday for our live show, broadcasting from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on 107.5 FM, Savannah Soundings, and worldwide at WRUU.org. And you can catch past episodes on the WRUU station archives on our website, as well as on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. We'll talk to you next week, where we'll have another batch of art on the air. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.